understand, and that's what we've been looking at over the weeks, of how that can become not theory but practical in our lives. And so I want to complete. Last week I said that the, the, the thing that struck me, I've been away for most of it in Africa with Jane, and as I came back and I listened to them all in a, in a matter of two days, all the, and then what struck me is this is serious stuff, to be holy. And this last week, I was real serious last week, okay? I questioned the foundations of our lives, whether we really knew this Jesus. If there's no change in us, if we don't begin to walk like Jesus in practical ways, and we don't, we're not on the up, I know there are little dips in our lives. always happens that sometimes we feel a long way away from God. But the, the, the general sense is we're moving and becoming more Christ-like in our lives. If that's not real in us, I challenged our foundation, whether we're really, really committed to him. When I got married, I'm right off track already. When I got married, uh, 40, uh, hang on, oh dear, I'm in trouble now. Coming up 45 years this year. Okay, I got married to Jane. And it was because, yes, I loved her and that biology and that chemical stuff was all going off. Okay, and it was a great day. But I made a commitment on that day that I would be married to her throughout my life, come what may. Okay, for better, for worse, for sickness and health, we were very traditional. We had a tambourine going in the service as well, and we had prophecy, but we were pretty traditional in the vows. And that commitment has held me through the ups and downs of married life. The moments when it's not so good, when you get annoyed at one another, when you suddenly find a, a attraction to someone else in the office, and you have a decision to make. Do I walk away, or do I dabble I thought Tim's word that says, how close do you get to the edge of sin? Yeah, he said, you need to be a long, long way away from it. And I, because I was committed, I made a choice. And so often, our commitment to Christ in the spur of the moment can be very real. But does it have an effect in the longer term? Because it needs to. Faith without action is what? Make-believe. It's dead. It's useless. Faith is completed by our actions. So I challenged us to really think about, are we saved? Was our commitment real to Christ? Has he come to make his home within us as he promised? That he would come in and his love would explode in us. His love would lead us into that ongoing relationship. For me to live is Christ day by day. To, to, to die is, wow. Gain. Hallelujah. But today, I, you know, I wanted to set the seriousness a bit aside because holiness is also speaking of something that's really glorious as well. It's serious, but it's tremendously glorious as well. And I, I, I want to put a, um, a scripture up there and just read about it. Revelation 1, 13 through 18. And... This is John, he's having a vision uh, where he is taken into the heavenly places and he meets with Jesus, the risen Jesus. And this was the description of that encounter. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, 
dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. What a glorious encounter with Jesus that John had, seeing him in all his glory, in all his risenness, if you like, but still recognizable as Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God who gave himself on that cross. Really glorious. In there it talks about his face was like the, shine, the sun shining in all its brilliance. And I think it gives us a good definition of what holiness is. Uh, a guy called G. Campbell Morgan, never met him, never heard of him before, but I, I, I love what he said in this address. And it gives a really good definition of holiness. It says, the sum of all God's attributes, the outshining of all that God is, is holiness. His holiness is the sum of all, all he is of all he does, of all he says, of his whole being. Holiness is just the summation of it all. As the sun's rays containing all the colors of the spectrum come together in the sun shining and blend into light, so all the attributes of God come together in his self-manifestation and it blends into holiness. And it speaks to me of the, the rainbow of breaking down white light into its separate colors. And each of those colors, they stand for an attribute of the character of God, that they're blended together in a pure, brilliant white light. And I thought we'd just look at some of the characteristics of this holiness of God. And 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, it's read at so many weddings Love is. Have you, have you heard that read at weddings? Hands up if you've heard that read. Love is. And, and actually, the first one is patient. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Actually, you know, as you get older, you think you're going to be more patient and you've learned the lessons. I tell you, Jane and I are really struggling with this. As I've got older, I'm less patient. I'm thinking everyone else ought to put up with me, me not with them. I'm old enough now. Okay, so get sorted, you know, the driver's in front. I always talking to the cars in front. It's fun, I like it. It's not really serious, but get on with it. You're right for it, it's an accelerator. Get on with it, you know. That's what your car's for. Don't, don't hold me up. Patience, I'm still working on love is patient. I don't know when I'm going to get onto the next one. Okay, so I've, I go to the next one. So here are love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, 
It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And it never fails. Is that your love? Is that my love? No, it isn't. That is the characteristic. The word for love there is agape love. It's God's type of love. It's not brotherly love and it's certainly not sexual love. Okay? It's agape love. It's God's love. And all those characteristics are who God is. But the good news is that his love, when we believe in him, is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to indwell us. And so we, can be, we have that potential to begin to move into the realm of actually loving like God loves. Isn't it glorious? Wow. Who wants to go for that sort of love? I do. Because it is so amazing. You know, it, it's like the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. God's love in us. You know, I, I read this morning in, in my quiet time, or that thing where you're supposed to spend some time with God before you, the, the beginning of the day, okay? I'm, not, I'm getting better at it. I'm still working on that one too. Okay? And it said, some people will never ever read the Bible in their lives. So the only Bible they're going to read is you, who claim to be a follower of Jesus. What are they reading in your life? I want them to read about God's love in my life, in the way I interact with them. Wonderful. It's glorious. And then there's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, you can go to the next slide. The fruit of the Spirit. Who does, who bear, we're like trees, and on the trees were fruit trees, and we bear fruit. There can be the fruit that Rob builds or makes in his life, Or there is the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings in us. He is the one that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He is the source of this fruit. He is the flavor of the fruit. He's the beauty of the fruit. And it's described like this in Galatians 5, 22, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And again, it's God's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's forbearance. Putting up with one another. Hello, Jane. We're putting up with one another, and, and you know, patience is still in there. We're still working on it. Okay, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and this is a biggie. Wow, self-control. Okay, being the sort of person that you really want to be in your heart and not being the selfish person, not being out of control. Okay, wonderful. But it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not even my fruit. It's the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears within me as I, as Josie said, as I partner, as I cooperate with him. Wow. How glorious is that? I want that. And I continue to want it in my life. Even with the, cha- you know, the challenges of coming up 69, you know. Hmm. Interesting. You're invited to have that same life as Jesus had, to share in the glory of the holiness of Jesus, of the fullness of life that Jesus demonstrated in his walk upon the earth and still is demonstrating in his relationship with us. John 10.10 says this, The thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the devil. And you need to understand, we do have an enemy, Kenya. We have an enemy. He's seeing that we've got, what, 37,000 projects going in Kenya now. That's 37 lives that have been impacted by the vision that God gave us to bring. And they're on their journey out of poverty. It's widows. It's orphans. It's, it's just people. And does the devil like it? No, he doesn't. And he doesn't like Jesus working in your life. He doesn't like you being rescued out of his kingdom of darkness. He doesn't like you coming to know Jesus and coming to know God. And he's there as a thief, a liar, a destroyer. And we see it. We see it in people's lives. We saw it in our own lives before we came to know Jesus. But Jesus has come that you might have life. And that you might have it in, to the full, it says in John 10.10. 10. And that word for fullness is not even abundant. It's super abundance. It's over the top abundance. It's beyond measurable life and abundance. Wow, I want that in my life. Before I became a Christian, I knew that my life was a mess. But when I came to Jesus, it began a change in me. And it, it's led me in a different direction to a life that has given, been given purpose and meaning in Jesus, of having an impact, not only in this world, but in eternity to come. It was knowing him that changed me. And that is a glorious invitation today that we might have super abundant, over-the-top fullness of life in Jesus, that we might be holy and walk in holiness like Jesus was holy and walked in holiness Hallelujah. Even when you get robbers, 10 guys with machete and guns, that we can respond like Jesus would respond in that situation. On the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that was the heart of Jesus. Even in the midst of all that agony and suffering, he didn't get off the cross. Didn't stop him dying. Didn't stop him taking our sin upon himself and God's just anger about our sin and rejection and walking our own way. He still went there, but in it he went in a place of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace, and of love. Wow. Hallelujah. That's the gloriousness of what we're called to be, being holy. I put holiness is gloriously possible because, and I, I've put... Well, I initially had two, but I thought of one on the way in. So you've got that as well. God is for you. Amen? Every person here, God is for you. He desires the best for you. I was, uh, this last week we were away. Uh, we went off after I preached Sunday afternoon. We went down to Cheltenham. Our daughter... Rachel has a property there. It's been uh, rented out for five years, and she wants to put it on the market. So we went to do a makeover in partnership with her, okay? And we've been working 10, 12 hours a day, I tell you. Got so painful in my knees that I, I, I was, had to be helped off the floor where I'd locked into position in agony, Okay. And we did that for four days. And I've got to go back and finish it off this, this week with her. Jane's opting out of that. Okay. We'll have words later on. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Always protects. Never dishonors. Okay. No, she's got other things that she's committed to do. And we were talking about it. Why are we doing this? I'm, I'm, for goodness sake, I'm nearly 69. Can't you find someone else to help? And you know, the reason I'm doing this is because I love her. She's my daughter. I'm for her. I'm on her side. And I will sacrifice. God is for you in the same way. I was reminded, for those of you who know Alex, she had a home in Pudsey when she was working for CAP, and then she got moved on down into World Vision down in Milton Keynes. And we did exactly the same for her. There, I worked longer and longer hours for weeks to get that house and do a makeover. You know, and I, do it, I did it because I love her, and I do it again because I love her. How much more does the Father love each one of us? And, you know, he is committed to do a makeover in the building that is your life, your walk in this world, your walk for eternity. God is, because he loves you, he wants to do a makeover. Wow. Amen, he's for you. And if God is for you, who can stand against you? He is God. He is almighty. He is on the throne. He's full of love. He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace for you, me, every one of us, without exception. He's for you. In Romans 8, 26, 32, you can read it up there. He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay? That's what he's doing in our life. He's going to do it. He's con- he is committed to conform us to be like Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. If God is for us, in verse 31, who can be against us? Yeah, he gave Jesus to die on that cross in our place. He's, he's that much for us. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to die that we could know him and have eternal life. Wow, what amazing, amazing love. And guess what? It's for each one of us. God is committed to change you. Who is doing the changing in your life? Okay, We, we, we always have this thing that we need to change ourselves in order to be worthy of God's love. And, and I tell you, I've been in enough battles to know I'm pretty, I have zero power to change myself in a way that is, will satisfy God's holiness. Okay, can't do it. It takes God working in me. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is committed to work in you and me to change us to become step by step. It's a process. More and more like Jesus. Wow. And the third point, just put up, you won't find it on there because this is my one this morning. God has equipped you with everything you need to lead a life of holiness, of godliness. He has already given you everything. Every resource that you need is all where, already there available to you. You can look at that in 2 Peter 1, uh, 3, verses 4. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a life of 
godliness, of holiness, fully pleasing to him, he's already given it to us. And then my third point this morning, your becoming increasingly holy flows out of an ongoing vital relationship with him, with God. If we just read this scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Wow, that speaks of this journey, but it's an ever increasing glory ever-increasing holiness, that total uh, substance of who he is, is working in our lives. And it's God who's working it out in us through the Holy Spirit who is in us. It was, uh, I want to read it from the message because it, it, it's really uh, good if I can find it because there are no verses in this. Right. When God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. The Holy Spirit is in us to flow in us and flow out through us. And as he flows in our life, and as we have relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, and with God the Holy Spirit, we are changed into the likeness of Jesus. It naturally flows that way. In the context of this, it's talking about Moses in the Old Testament, who used to spend time on, on Mount Sinai in the presence of God. I hope I've got my mountains right, Mount Sinai, okay, where he received the commandments and, and the law. But he would spend time with God, and it says that God would speak to him as he would to a friend. Father, I would like to know more of you speaking to me like a friend. But what was happening as he was speaking to God like a friend, God was changing him. And he would come down from the mountain and his face was so bright and shining, reflecting the glory of he who he'd met with, that people couldn't even look on it. They were so fearful. And it says that Joshua didn't come down. He stayed up there because he was enjoying it so much. Okay, And it comes out of encountering him. The, it talks about the vine in John uh, chapter 15 and verses 1 through 6. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. In other words, Jesus is the vine and God is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Jesus was talking about, about his life. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When we become believers, we make that decision to turn away from going our own way in life, ignoring God, and we, we turn around and do 180 turn around and begin to say, God, 
I want you to come in my life, forgive me, cleanse me, and I want to follow you with everything I have. Guess what God does? He grafts us into the vine that is Jesus. He makes those incisions and he grafts us and he binds us in till that, that life in the vine begins to flow through us and begins to change us and transform us. That's what it is to be born again. That's what it is to become a believer. Okay? It's, it's knowing that we're grafted into the vine and his life begins to flow through us. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, in other words, you are in contact with Jesus and with that life, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot change yourself. Okay? You can't do it in a way that's pleasing to God. We can make superficial changes, perhaps, but none that will satisfy the holiness of God. We need him working in us to change us. And the Holy Spirit is vital in affecting that change in you. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit in us that makes the difference. It's the Holy Spirit that, that is the vital ingredient in us. It's like the, what's that stuff you put in bread to make it rise? Yeast, isn't it? We need the yeast of the Holy Spirit in us so that we begin to rise and we get that lovely smell and that lovely taste. Okay, we need the Holy Spirit in us. I was thinking about Simon Peter. Have you ever followed his life uh, in the Gospels? That simple fisherman who denied Jesus on the night he was betrayed, okay? And he followed Jesus down where he was on trial for his life and he, he denied him three times and swore because a, a young serving girl said, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm not. But Jesus got a hold of him. Jesus got a hold of him, the risen Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon Simon Peter in power and he stood up in front of crowds of thousands and witnessed to Jesus, totally transformed. That encounter with the Holy Spirit empowered and, and radically changed his life. As we respond to this, and I want to have some time to respond um, I'm going to invite Chris up in a moment to come and lead us in the celebratory song of the gloriousness of what God has for us. But I'm thinking that if we're serious about becoming more holy like Jesus, then we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need his power. We need his life, his vitality in us, cleansing us on the inside and flowing out through us. Yeah? Does anyone understand that, realize that? Does anyone want more of the Holy Spirit this morning? Give me a wave if you do. Lots of you. Okay, it's going to get crowded down the front. Okay, because I'm actually going to invite you to come out, join this, this worship song, so that the prayer team can pray with you, just very simply to receive more of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's one area I want to respond on. There might be those who've never been grafted into the vine that is Jesus. You've seen something this morning of what it is to worship Christ. And, and people who seem to know Jesus in a way that's real in their lives. And, and there's something in you that says, I want that same relationship with Jesus. It's 
that relationship, there's a free invitation this morning. He's already paid the price when he died on that cross bearing your sin. It's simply a matter of coming and saying, Jesus, I want you to forgive me and cleanse me. I want to know you. I want to commit my life to follow you. Okay? It, it, that's the cost. <laughs> it will cost you everything to follow Jesus. Your life, your ambitions. He wants you to commit yourself. If you've never done that and you're feeling, I would like that, then I'd invite you to, you can come mixed up in all the other hundreds who put their hands up, okay? And just tell the person that comes with you, I'd like to know how to become a Christian and what's involved in it. And they will spend some time with you. And then the third thing, I'm going to get a lot of you up and out, okay? Is those, like Jane and I, you're presented with a problem that you can't do anything about, Okay, you're going through some traumatic time in your life and you feel, I want to stand up and declare that Jesus is my Lord in this situation. He's still on the throne. And you want to come and just receive some prayer on that, some people to stand with you. Okay, I'd invite you to come out too. During this song, it could get crowded. We can move chairs back. They're very movable. Hallelujah. I once went to a church where the front row was about where the back row is. And I, I thought, what are they doing? This separation from platform to people. I found out later on it was so they could all come out and they could dance and worship, but also they could get prayed for as well without having to move chairs. Okay, so if next week you find the, the, back row, you know, the front rows at the back, that's what it's about. Okay, so... Father, just come. Just come. Give us the courage to stand up. Give us the courage to step out in faith and say, yes, I want this. There's nothing passive about being a Christian. Nothing passive. We need to take hold and say, yes, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life today. I want to be more like Jesus. I want more of you. I want you, Jesus, in my life. If I've never known you, come out. I want help. I want to stand with other brothers and sisters in my moment of need in this situation. So I'd invite you to come on out. Hallelujah. And we'll take it from there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Stand soon. Don't wait, just get praying. Are you going to pray or are you waiting to pray? So fine. Oh, good time.
right? Yeah, yeah they're coming. Have you out. Oh, it would be nice to have a Holy Spirit in Billings. Okay. We'll well, you just received, you've asked. Empty hands. Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit now to come. In the name of Jesus, I release that Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, into this your child's life. This your son now. Come and fill out of his innermost being rivers, rivers of living water. Rivers empowering him. Oh Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit, now in Jesus' name. Come. Be the Lord. Be the Lord. Be the Lord in this life. Holy Spirit of the power, the love of God to continue, continue that journey of becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. Two great times. I try, but it doesn't flow easily. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. But you called me a citizen of heaven.
We are going to carry on praying for anybody who would like prayer following on from Rob's sermon this morning. Or prayer about anything. Don't leave this place if you have something weighing on your heart. Or if God has spoken to you in the service. Or if you have never known that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour. Don't leave this place without coming and receiving prayer. But for those of you who... um, are thirsty in a more physical sense tea and coffee will be started to serve at the back uh, and we just ask that you keep a sense of quietness here at the front while we continue to minister to people bless you all have a good week